Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book Lighthouse Faith. You know, you're not going to hear this from most media outlets and certainly not mainstream media, but there is a plague in our culture that has gone undetected by tens of millions of people, yet it's infiltrating and affecting all aspects of our lives, from crime to suicides, depression, divorce, abortion. The list of societal ills caused by this one problem is staggering. And yet, it is rarely, if ever, mentioned in most articles about any of those issues. It's the father wound. Yes, the father wound. Fatherlessness. We in the Western world are suffering spiritually by the absence of a father in our lives. And the men are the ones suffering probably the most because they have been confused by what their biblical mandate is and hurt from the pain of a father who abandoned them either physically or psychologically or emotionally um, or a culture that has called them toxic. John Smithmaker is the... um, founder of Fathers in the Field. His passion is, quote, to help men recapture their divinely assigned roles of pastor, provider, and protector in the home, as well as the church. His new book is called Man Enough to Forgive, Healing the Wounds of Fatherhood Abandonment. And he joins me now. Welcome, John. Oh, thank you, Lauren. It's such an honor to be here. You know, it's, I was taken aback a little bit by the the title of the book, because I was curious why the book is called Man Enough to Forgive. Why is forgiveness crucial? Well, forgiveness is the foundation of the Gospels. It's It's the center point. It's really what the Gospel is all about, about forgiveness. So the title, Man Enough to Forgive, is really to be eye catching since our ministry deals with men and boys carrying this wounds. It certainly impacts, uh, girls and women as well. My sister demonstrated that in, in her journey as well. But our ministry, Fathers in the Field, deals with boys and now man enough to forgive these men who are walking wounded, carrying this fatherless wound into adulthood. But forgiveness really is the foundation of the gospel, and it's a mark of a believer. And really what happens is, obviously, talking to believers now, that forgiveness is a command by God. And it has nothing to do with our feelings, our past, or whatever, but it is an act of obedience, just like Christ's obedience unto the cross. Let's talk about that aspect you're talking about of being the walking wounded, because that's exactly what we're, what we, I think we all are kind of suffering from it at some level, but there is in men this walking wounded that they don't really acknowledge. Tell me about that. Yes. Well, it, it's it's big picture. 85% of these boys, 
women, but mostly boys, because the the father son relationship is the foundation of the world. So, and these divinely assigned roles to boys and men to be the pastor, provider, and protector impact them uh, greatly in different ways than they would say a girl or a woman. But these boys they know they're to be shepherd into manhood. So when there's not a godly father figure shepherding them in the manhood, they know that they are wounded. And they they act out in one of two ways. 85% of them flee from the situation, rebel, if you will, in their righteous anger. They don't know how to describe it, but they know they've been dealt a bad hand. So they're out there telling the world how how wrong they've been, how hurt they are. And society tells them that they don't need a dad. Big boys don't cry and they'll get over it. So that's why most of them end up causing destruction on society and end up in prison or adjudicated in some form. The other 15% are like me who decide to fight for my father and we become the perfectionists of the world with super high expectations trying to win everything. So we try to earn our father's return. We try to fill that void, that that worthiness by accomplishment. And basically what we do is we end up abandoning our children, uh, not necessarily out of kids out of wedlock, but through divorce, multiple divorce, because we put ourselves, our careers our our own interest above our our wives and our marriage and our children. How hard is it for men to forgive? Is it different for women? I know you're not a woman, but I mean, is it yeah. different for men? Why is it so hard for them to forgive? Well, I think it's hard for both, but they're they're uniquely challenged differently. Uh, men men to forgive because this forgiveness again is a command talking to believers. It is an unearned unmerited, unjustified, unasked for, for I'm sorry, or forgive me by their father. So it is relenting to self. It is a self-sacrificing act for a believer in obedience to Christ. So men naturally want justice. So they want their father to say, I'm sorry, at minimum, or they want their father to see what destruction they caused in their life. So it's a huge hurdle. And it's really a sacrificial act. It's a choice, really. If you think about it, it's a it's a choice that we uh, we make to surrender our hurt to God, you know, for the healing that's possible and to turn over our violator, our offense maker to God for uh, retribution or redemption. So it's a hard thing for a man to get over because he wants justice. And I, and you talked about this before, but it's also a hard thing because men have been taught to be, if you're a real man, you're not going to cry, you're going to stuff it, you're not going yeah. to express your emotions. So to even admit it is a pro, is, is an issue right there. Oh. Yeah, well, it's, you know, I, growing up fatherless, you know, uh, just in suburbia America, when when they don't think that divorce creates a father wound, which is a big lie. Divorce, God's plan is perfect. And whenever there's consequences, whenever there is, not not that the father may not love them, but if they're not in a home, they can't fulfill those roles. So I was walking around wounded, had st- bad stepfathers in my life, and. Um, you know, p- well-meaning people say, hey, you don't need a dad. Big boys don't cry and you'll get over it. Mm. And our ministry tells them just the opposite. They they need the truth because they all self self 
uh, blame, if you will, that their dad left because they're not good looking enough. They didn't behave. They didn't get good grades or something that's wrong with them. Because why would my dad, my hero, throw me away? So they they self-blame and it causes a lot of problem. But our ministry tells these these fatherless children, these fatherless boys, what, the truth. And it, the truth is, is what your dad did was terribly wrong, mattered greatly in your life. But through the power of Christ, you can become the man God intended you to be. There is healing and there is victory because of Christ's work on the cross. You know, that is the good news. And that's the stopgap so that the father wound doesn't continue its generational yeah. push. But the the father wound comes from generation, generational yeah. kind of dysfunction. So yes. tell me some history here. Like, like how mm-hmm. common is father abandonment? Is it physical? Is it through divorce? Is it just, you know, had sex with the mother and left? Um, what kind of father abandonment are we talking about? Uh, it's really all the above. I mean, the church has fallen the lie. We're, we're not telling the truth that divorce causes fatherhood wounds. The father has abandoned his post as being the pastor, provider, and protector. You can't do that if you're not in the home. So currently right now, and these are old statistics, we're over 50% fatherless in this country. Wow. If you look at the inner city, it's 75%. You look at suburbia, it's about 40%. Combined, it's over 50 So if you want to want to know what our nation's is is running towards it's the it's the inner city and that is complete destruction when there's only about 25 percent fatherhood there and pastor greg laurie says the best the 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 family can survive without the nation but the nation cannot survive without the family and if you if you know a little bit of the history well i'm sure you do but in 1964 the 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 fatherless intact home in, in the inner city was 80%. Yeah. It, it was great. But in 1964, in the Great Society Welfare Program, uh, basically it started the destruction of dependence on the inner city. The, trying, the government is trying to make the, the government the father. And so from there, there's been a great slide all the way down to less than 25%. So it, the shift has been huge. And uh, so, you, you, so eighty percent, like before the sixties, yes, eighty percent in the inner city were in two yep. parent homes, right? The father was yeah. in the home. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, and think about the the struggles that the 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 black family had even during times of slavery and the civil rights, but they had intact families, and yep. and this this culture of dependence of welfare trying to make the government the father has just destroyed the family and now it's creeping over all into all the other segments of society and it i agree with you it is the number one societal issue tearing at the fabric of our society tell me some of the stats because i've read some of the stats that people will just drop their jaw over about what fatherlessness and father abandonment actually has caused as children grow up yeah well and again our government Keep statistics, but they're always late. So these are 20-year-old statistics. And if you think about the acceleration of followers, how much worse it is than the, even these numbers. But but 72% of adolescent murders are committed by fathers' children. Over 60% of rapists come from fathers' home. Uh, you know, 85% of, of adjudicated prisoners, inmates, are come from fathers' homes. Um, you're 30% more likely to to... to use drugs and alcohol and be addicted, uh, twice as likely to drop out of school, 
11 times, which is unbelievably high, you know, exhibit violent behavior. And honestly, the suicide rate is dramatically, dramatically higher. And then also, obviously, the sexual uh, activity before marriage and, and additional out-of-wedlock births happen from it. It's, uh, you know, just just extrapolating the data, you know, and rightly so, the military, the 22, you know, military vets that commit suicide daily. But we have an epidemic of fatherlessness, and we have approximately 7,000 fatherless children attempting suicide a day. Wow. Because they are so hurt, they are so broken, and the world ignores them and pretends they shouldn't be. And they know that there is something wrong. And if you think about there's 25 million now growing fatherless children under the age of 18, and there's a million and a half new fatherless children entering that uh, that number annually. And you have that then a million and a half of these children graduating adulthood, carrying this father wound into, into adulthood. And if you know church life, pastors all the time come to me and say, the impact you're having by mentoring these boys is profound. Thank the Lord. But as adults and as pastors, we're seeing that the church is being overwhelmed with all the symptoms of fatherlessness and all those things that you shared at the beginning of your of your story. Now, you talk about, um, you know, some of the lies of fatherlessness uh, in the book. T- talk about what are some of the lies we get about fatherless- fatherlessness? Yeah, well, the big one we talked about that it doesn't matter. You'll be OK. And that's a lie, because what we're doing as believers, well, culture always does it. But as believers, we're saying God is a liar, that his perfect plan for family and fatherhood and motherhood is not right. And there's no consequences to that breakup. And that's just a lie. That's a big one. The second one is that um, that basically that it, when you in a, enter adulthood, your your father wound just magically disappears because you're an adult now, mm-hmm. but, but that's a lie. <laughs> yeah. So it has to be dealt with. Um, secondly, is that, you know, all the symptoms we've seen in society really doesn't have to do with fatherlessness. It has to do with some other things like it's the drugs fault. Mm-hmm. But really, if you look at all the symptoms in society, they all, if you look at the common denominator, it's fatherlessness. So why are kids addicted to drugs? Why are kids o- overdosing? It's not because of the drugs. We've always had ways to to do that. It's because they're trying to mask a hurt, a deep hurt that, mm. that society's telling them is not there. I mean, if all these children are walking around, we have a video, all these children are walking around with this heart wound on them, and you saw the blood seeping out of their, their shirts and their, you know, from their heart, we, we would we would be in a panic because of all the wounded. But this is a deep festering soul wound that you can't see you only see the outward hat you know events from the symptoms you know the um the the lie of fatherlessness and it's it like i was talking about before it's there it's generational yes so we're not talking about just it happened today i mean this took a number of decades to develop two and three and four generations we're talking about in the 60s when government kind of stepped in and decided that it could be a better father than a real physical father in the household. And yes. people don't understand because I'm of a certain age where I, re- I I understand what went on because I was raised in the inner city, two yeah. parents. My parents were married for almost 52 years before my, my father died. First marriage for both, five kids, um, 
you know, one marriage, um, and that's unheard of today. But in the 60s, something happened in the welfare system that said mothers and children should not go without food and a place to stay because that's really important to take care of the women and the children. And that was a stopgap in order to make sure that children were being fed and being taken care of and housed. And I remember, I think it was Robert Moynihan, I think it was Robert Moynihan actually came out and said, you know, this is not good for the black community. I mean, this is going to really create um, generations of dependency on the government as the father. And everybody poo-pooed him when he said that, and his predictions were correct. Yes. Well, uh, I, I know you believe this, and our listeners probably believe this, but the culture is at war with men. And the cultures that war with families and the cultures war with parenthood, the cultures that war with motherhood and fatherhood. And if you just look at the cultural death spiral in America, if you just step back and look at the big picture, in 1962, the Supreme Court ruled that prayer is not allowed in schools. So there's there you have a destruction of faith. In 1963, what we were talking about, Supreme Court ruled Bible reading not allowed in schools. So now prayer, the Bible is taken out, 62, 63, 64, LBJ, the Great Society, the welfare, destruction of dependence in the inner city, 1969, no-fault divorce, the destruction of the family covenant, 1973, Roe v. Wade, destruction of life, in 2015, the Supreme Court decision for same-sex marriage, destruction of marriage, and it goes on and on. So this culture, so when you have information, God designed that basically the family was to pass on God's knowledge, God's truth, God's way. So Satan knows what he's doing. He's destroying the small church, the family. Mm-hmm. So, so that information, the truth of the Bible is not passed on. And as, as strong as my mom was, she was working two and three jobs, barely surviving. There is no time to share the truth. You know, um, I want to take a break right now on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. We'll be right back with um, John Smithbaker, and we're talking about his book, Man Enough to Forgive. We'll be right back. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And I'm back with uh, John Smith-Baker, a award-winning author and the um, founder of Fathers in the Field. And we're talking about the problem of fatherlessness, but also the idea that forgiveness is very powerful and healing the wounds of fatherhood abandonment, that there are millions and millions and millions of of men in the world, particularly the Western world, who are walking around with a father wound. And I think girls are too, women are too, because a father wound really does create a a mother wound in a sense, because once the mother has to become the sort of... Surrogate father. The surrogate yeah. father, then she is not kind of becoming the role that she was meant to be either. So yeah. she's, and there's a resentment there because the father's left. And I want to get back to this. I want to get to the solutions you have, but I also want to come back to this idea of, you know, uh, why do so many men abdicate their responsibility 
um, in the home. And yeah. one of the things that um, uh, Nancy Piercy's book, The War on Toxic Masculinity, brought out was this divide that happened with the Industrial Revolution, that men now are being working outside the home, where before they were working alongside their children inside the home with their mm-hmm family business, either farm or, you know, trade or something like that. And that all changed. But the idea is that it is a slow process. It's never just one generation. It's always over several, several decades. And like you were saying, the devil knows what he's doing. The devil knows what he's doing. How do you fight against the demands, the economic demands um, and the cultural demands of what it means to be a man? Yeah. Well, part of it, you know, our busyness, right? The devil uses our busyness. We've never had more options for hobbies and work options and stuff like that. And, you know, the concept of keeping up the Joneses. So more people have to work, get more income. So we can have nicer cars. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. But, but the point is, is that God made it very clear that our first ministry, our first obligation is to family. And, and and that is where it starts. It's not to our career. It's not to our, our likes or dislikes in our career. It is to our family. So if, if your job takes you across the world and you're not home, why do you have that job? Well, yeah. Why don't you find another job? Because you're supposed to be there to be the pastor, provider, and protector of your children. So the selfishness is really at the core, right? Our biggest idol in our life is ourself even though we want to point to some outside factor. We, we, as men, especially, we have to fight that. It goes all the way back to the garden, even, you know, where, where we didn't fulfill our role to, in that regard, and we blamed the woman. And, uh, and, and so <laughs> I'm, it's, I'm glad to have a man admit that now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I mean, that, it's yours. And, and, and then you have the, the curse that God put on women that they want control over men. And uh, so we, we're all fighting this issue. And, and, so selfishness is always at the root of the breakup of marriage, right? Because I was on the path that led to divorce before I got saved. I got saved at 40 years old and I put my career, my fame, money, my hobbies, my friends, everything above my marriage and my children. So when God saved me, he He, he illuminated me to the fact that, no, I need to love my wife. I need to love my family like Christ loved the church. And that's sacrificially giving. So my hobbies, my desires, they're at the bottom of the list. And how do you turn that around? Because I I hear that a lot. I mean, I I think there's something in men that says, I know I should be there, but society is rewarding men for the more money they make, and they make that part of being what is a real man. Um, If I'm not in my, you know, suit, my $2,000 suit, and yeah. with the briefcase and got the house in the Hamptons and, you know, the nice apartment on Park Avenue or whatever, then I'm not fulfilling my manly duty. And um, I remember one pastor, I don't know if you know Tommy Nelson down in uh, Denton Bible Church. I know you must know him. But yeah. I remember him in his Song of Solomon talking about how men kind of want to bag the woman. You know, it's like, OK, I'm going to wine and dine you. And then when I get you, I'm just going to mount you on the on the wall and then I'm going to go out and do my business. And yeah. that's kind of how the culture understands manhood right well yeah i mean there, there there's a lot to be said for that you know this generational fatherlessness is is generational and fatherlessness begets more fatherlessness and so when you're fatherless you have this gigantic hole and you're trying to fill it with worth i mean so instead of a man 
guiding a boy into manhood, these boys are trying to determine when he's a man. How how do I know I have I have graduated into manhood? And what's what's godly manhood nonetheless? And and most boys when when they're not shepherd, they're, they're they think basically manhood is when they when they you know have a woman, and yeah. that's sad. Or when they you know even you know join a gang and now they're part of the family. And to be initiated, you have to go kill somebody or rob somebody. Or so they're trying to fill this this hole that was left by their dad. And even if you're on the right side of the law, you know you're trying to use your work and your fame and your money as to fill that hole because. When you have a, a a healthy relationship with Christ, you know your worth and your identity is in Christ. It has nothing to do with these worldly things. What is the first and thing? We, what, what is yeah. the first thing you 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 do or you say to men to get back on the biblical track? I mean, the first thing yep. a man comes to you, obviously he knows something's wrong, but right. but then how do you? What, what's the first thing you do? I, I say, why haven't you forgiven your father for abandoning you? How does that how does that land on a lot of men? Because that's got to be something that oh, yeah. they deny. Oh, yeah. Well, most of them say, well, you know, why would I forgive him? What he did was terribly wrong. It created chaos and hurt and life. My mom struggled. My sister got pregnant, you know, because she went off the deep end. The, 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 that's what we confront in the book, Man Enough to Forgive, is unforgiveness is or the, the 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 unwillingness to forgive your father for abandoning you, these boys, these girls view this as the unforgivable sin. Mm. And as you and I both know, there's only one unforgivable sin, and that's that's unbelief. So that they they view this as the unforgivable sin, unforgivable sin. So we have to go down this road and say, no, no, if you call yourself believer, then we direct them to the scripture. And so multiple times. The Bible says, if you do not forgive others, your heavenly father will not forgive you. So these are strong commands with dire consequences. And basically, if you're a believer and you have this unrepented sin in view of unforgiveness, basically you are grieving the Holy Spirit. Your heavenly father tells you he may not even listen to your prayers. So basically you're on the sidelines. You're taken off the kingdom battlefield and you're exactly where the devil wants a believer on the sidelines. Mm, mm. And it's got to be hard, though, because once they've established a pattern of what they believe a real man should do and, and how they should react to their father, that's got to hurt to actually say, no, you need to forgive now. Yes, it, it, it does hurt. But but what you have to understand is, one, there is an act of obedience and two, the other side of freedom, because what, a lot of us, even the men and women that I deal with, their fatherlessness, their hurt has become their identity. Mm. So even like me, my identity was in all my accomplishments because me trying to prove my father wrong became the motivating identity in me. That was the chip on my shoulder that allowed me to work harder than everybody else and become more and strive more. And But it's just as destructive. We just, we just, it's just becoming our identity now versus becoming a healed believer where we, we're now to do God's purposes in our life, not our selfish pursuits in our life. Tell me about your relationship with your father. What was it like, and how did he hurt you? 
Well, my father took off on uh, my mom and my sister. She was three years old and I was in my mom's womb and he tried to have my mom kill me. But basically he had an affair, started another family, adopted other kids and he lived across town, but never saw me. He wouldn't pay his child support. We were hungry. Mom was starving, working three jobs. So I was put in an industrial daycare where I just sat there all day being unloved, uncared for, untalked to, untouched. And it, it's brutal because instead of being home in my mom's arms, playing with me, learning, growing, caring, it, it, it just it just puts you in a, a, a basic a state of mind saying, I have a decision to make. And, and I remember this as a young, young kid. I have a decision to make. Am I going to give up or am I going to fight? And I chose to fight. Most people give up. So you see the depression, the emotional baggage, the suicide, the drug addiction, because we're trying to mask that pain. And I made the decision to fight to fill that hole. And again, both end up in destructive behaviors. But that that is a brutal thing. And it wasn't until I was... 40 and I, I achieved a lot of things you know mm -hmm. from our, our destitute situation <laughs> to to making more money than I ever thought I'd ever would and uh, but I got saved at 40 and obviously my my completely out, outlook completely changed after I was saved but I went to my dad and said dad I I have something to share with you I want to share the gospel since we've had no time on earth I'd love to have forever in heaven with mm -hmm. you and I shared the gospel and he said he didn't believe it. And shortly thereafter, he got cancer and he died. And I didn't cry. I didn't go to his funeral. I didn't go to the hospital. I mean, all my tears are cried in 40 years. I, I had I had no tears left. Wow. So did you ever have any kind of contact with him while you were a child? I mean, did you have any supervised visits or he did he just not want anything to do with you? Well, he really didn't want anything to do because he was putting in, he was put in jail because he wasn't paying child support. But he started coming around in high school when I was started excelling at football and sports, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> you know created created weird emotions in me. You know would stand on one side of the, the field, my mom was on the other side. So when the game finished, instead of now what do I do? You know what I mean? And so I just went to the locker room and uh, but basically I can remember a few times he would he would promise to come pick me up and then not or come, you know, pick me up, you know, every once in a while, give me a glimmer of hope. But really, it was just it was just all it really did was pick the scab because wow. a lot of times he'd pick me up, bring him back to his new house. And I would sit around all these strangers and wondering, who are these people? You know and who what I mean? were they? Were they your your half siblings or? Well, they were they were just my dad's new adopted kids and stepmom. You know, I, I don't know if she's in this. I, if she's even considered a stepmom, it was just a second family that he had, he adopted her kids, you know, and then it's just, it's just brutal on a kid because it's just, uh, my mom had full custody. So I, you know, I, I stayed with her all the time, but it was just divorce kids know that this is a brutal upbringing because there's no home, there's no peace, there's no consistency, there's no con congruity there's there's nothing there's always change always confusion and and nobody's talking about the truth of the reality of the hurt of divorce and um, so you did you yeah. did your father ever explain to you why he left like trying to explain to you <laughs> and as you got older it's like you know what now that you're older let yeah. me tell you what was really going on between your mother and, and i yeah I, well 
listen, when, when you when you get older, you realize that, you know, uh, uh, th- there's two sides to every equation. Right. Mm-hmm. And you realize that nobody is completely, completely blameless in a divorce. So you do realize that. But I asked my dad when I that when I went and shared my forgiveness, I said, I said why did you leave? Mm. I asked him because that's what every kid wants to know. Why did you leave? Because every kid blames themselves. Right. You know what I mean, and you want to hear it from him. And I said, why did you leave? And he said, well, I just wasn't happy. Wow. Just wasn't happy. And that's what most people say. I wasn't happy. Like our happiness supersedes the sacrificial uh, uh, giving of a husband or a father. You know what I mean? So that that's the opposite end. The selfish idol in us. I'm not happy to what we're called to do is be sacrificially giving unto death like Christ on the cross. So I tell men all the time, hey, if somebody came in your 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 home and was going to kill your children, what would you do? Well, I'd, I'd stand in front, take the bullet, and die. Well, great. So why didn't you stay in a marriage when you said you weren't happy? Well, because, you know, I wasn't getting sex or whatever else. Oh, I see. So, so you sacrificed your children to all the marauding influences of the world and create a deep wound in them over sex. It's just, it's just nuts. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's, that is, it's, it, it, I mean, so where are we now? How do we, how do we get more men to, yeah. to understand the father wound? First of all, to understand that there is a father wound because there can be a father wound, even with a father in the household, you know, oh, yeah. they, they can be emotionally you, abusive. Amen. I mean, if you think about all these damaging statistics that we shared, that's just that's just men that left. But then you have these bad fathers, alcoholic fathers in the home. So, I mean, our country is in dire. The tsunami's on its way. Make no mistake about it. Mm. The tsunami is on its way unless we reverse it. And that's part of the goal of man enough to forgive. Because again, we're talking to believers, redeem souls that that say they have the Holy Spirit in them. When they have this unforgiveness of their father or mother, if you're a girl, of, or whomever in you, you are no longer in the kingdom battle. You're on the sidelines because you have grieved the Holy Spirit. You have unrepented sin in you, and God cannot use you. Mm-hmm. His face is even turned. He, he promises. He says that his he's not even listening to your prayers so can you think about it? You, you you have this unrepented sin in your life because you think it's the unforgivable sin. And you've been a believer for 20 years and you've prayed for this and that and that. And the Lord's not even listening to those prayers because you have this unforgiveness sin in your life. So what we're doing, we're confronting men about this. We're responding to the pleas of pastors because of the symptoms are being overwhelmed in churches on this issue. And we're asking men to be men, man. Be a man and confront this issue once and for all. And it's and, an uphill battle. It's an uphill battle because you've got a culture out there telling them what it is to be a man. Yes. Well, you know, unforgiveness is almost as a badge of honor. Say, no, I, you know, but it, it, it's not it's not Christ-like. It doesn't make you less a man. It actually makes you a stronger man because we're, the the world is trying to co-op what a man is, obviously. Right. So mm-hmm. God defines what a man is. And so if you're a believer, you need to be being sanctified, biblical word, into the man God intended you to be. And that is a forgiving man. Strong men forgive. 
weak men do not. Wow, that's powerful. And, that, and you know, l- let me just say this while I'm thinking of us to forget, but but masculinity is a gift to the world, a gift to women, and a gift to family and children. I know that's not popular in today's culture, but masculinity is from God, and it is a gift. Women, children benefit when there's godly masculinity out there, and those roles are being upheld because men's role is to protect truth, proclaim truth, and defend the innocent and the righteous. And without men, women and children suffer the most. I 100% agree with you. 100% agree with you. And the problem, and I think, and I want to, because we're going to wrap up here, but one of the problems is that men are being influenced not just as men, but as is beginning in school years. Like they, in, in public schools, they kind of raise them as sort of defective girls, you know, yes. because they're yes. not being the way they think they should be. Yeah. Well, I have a story. I mean, this fallishness creates a bunch of restless boys. And then you go to school where it's it's organized for girls the way they learn. Right. So boys are supposed to meant to sit still. They're 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 doing away with recesses, which creates even more energy in these boys that that can't be managed. And the first thing the school and the government wants to do is put these boys on drugs to make them act like girls. Sit down. Listen. Versus understanding boys have an incredible amount of energy. They learn differently. So the whole the whole society is stacked against these boys wanting to become men. You have all these female teachers. You know, men's going in teaching profession is very limited now. You have coaches and PE teachers. But the whole government system now is set up against men. I know that's not popular, but it's just the truth if you think about it. And... I'm all for women's rights, but the, under God's banner of the way it's supposed to be, and godly men honor women, ungodly men do not honor women, and that's what's happening. Wow, wow! I know society's reduced men to pretty much sperm donor, you know, at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's it's sad. Now they're telling them that anybody, even women, can be men. You know what I mean? And the <laughs> humanization of of genders is just another attack on God's biblical designs for men and women. Both were born for a glorious reason, created for a glorious purpose, and it takes the healthy nurturing of a mom and the godly masculinity of a man to raise a healthy human being. Amen. God's plan is perfect. And when there's when it's broken through divorce or abandonment or neglect, there is always consequences. If not, we're calling God a liar. John J. Smith Baker, thank you so much. You are the founder of Fathers in the Field, and your book is called Mad Enough to Forgive, Healing the Wounds of Fatherhood Abandonment. How can people find out more about Fathers in the Field? Great. If you feel being called that you want to mentor the next generation of a fatherless boy, go to fathersinthefield.com. If you're a man and a in a leading a church group or in a church and and you you want to deal, finally deal, finally deal with this fatherhood wound in you, then go to manenoughtoforgive.com, manenoughtoforgive.com. And let's start this forgiveness journey. I'm here to help you and be praying for you. And and God bless you all. Uh, thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast, and I know you're going to help a lot of people. Oh, thank you. God bless you. Thank you for being a voice. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed day.
Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. Amazon Prime members can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music app, or just hit the follow button on your favorite podcast player. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast, featuring common ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites, like his All-Star panel and much more. Available now at FoxNewsPodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.